Um, Genesis chapter 11. We finished up the flood. We are now on the Tower of Babel. All right. It's only nine verses. Tower of Babel is a short story. There's a lot that goes into it. Um, if we let's just start. There's um, nine verses. Everyone just read one verse. We're going one through nine. Um, Angela, can we start with you? And we'll just go around. <laughs> That's what you get for not bringing my mom out of church. I've been I've been begging her to come because you won't shut up about it. <laughs> Genesis eleven verse one. Okay, I'm ready now. And the whole earth was of one language and of one speech. <clears throat> Am I supposed to read more? Uh, just one thing. Go ahead. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east, and they found a plain in the land of. Sh- Shadar, mm-hmm. and they dwelt there. Danny. Okay. <clears throat> and they said one to another, Go to, let us make brick and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and had slime laid for mortar. And they said, <clears throat> Go to, let us build us a city and a tower whose top may reach unto heaven. So let us make us a name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower, which the children of men built. And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one, and they have all one language, and this they began to do. And nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. Go to let us go down, and there confound their language, that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from hence upon the face of all the earth, and they left off to build the city. Therefore is is the name of it called Babel, because the Lord did confound the language of all the earth. And from thence did the Lord scatter them abroad upon the face of all the earth. These are the generations of Shem. Shem was a hundred years old and began. Our facts said two years after the flood. I don't know how I did that. All right. Okay. So that's the story of Babel. All right. What I want to do is I want to kind of back up and talk a little bit before we actually get into the verses. Um, Genesis chapter 10, verses 8 through 10. Anybody ever heard the name Nimrod? Yeah, I've used it. You've used it? I have used it. Dwight's over going, I've been called that. Not Dwight. That's one name I haven't called him. That's the one name, right? It must be pick on Dwight Day. It is. All right, Nimrod. Genesis chapter 10, verses 8 through 10 says, at the beginning of the kingdom was Babel, and Eric, and Akkad, and Kalna, in the land of Shinar. Out of the land, oh, I missed eight, didn't I? And Cush begat Nimrad. He began to be a mighty one in the earth, 
and he was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Wherefore, it is said, even as Nimrod, the mighty hunter before the Lord, and the beginning of his kingdom was Babel, and Inrak, and Akkad, and Kalneth, and the land of Shinar. All right. So, remember Ham? Yeah. Who was Ham? Ham. Ham was the one of the three, and he was the which one? The cursed one, right? Or his son, right? He gave birth to a fellow by the name of Cush, who gave birth to a fellow by the name of Nimrod. It's interesting that as they're going through listing children, fathers, basically they're going through this genealogy, he stops for a moment to purposely bring out Nimrod. Go ahead. Can I throw some humor in here? Would it stop you? L <laughs> if you say don't, I'll go say ahead. No, I'm kidding. When I was sitting up there last Sunday while you were teaching, you mentioned him, pastors running around room to room. He comes over and he whispers to me, the whole problem with saying ham was they put him between rye bread and Swiss cheese. That's where it all started. <laughs> I had to share that. It's like, where did you go? That's your pastor for you. Yeah. <laughs> all right, so as I was doing some research and looking in this, um, Ham or, or, or Nimrod, there's a couple things mentioned. One, it says that he began to be what? A mighty? Yeah, mighty It starts out there. Um, he began to be a mighty one in the earth. Oh, yeah. Right? So, basically, what's being said here is not that he's a mighty as in a really good person. He's growing powerful. All right? Mm -hmm. um, and as we look down through that, it's not a good powerful. Mm -hmm. All right? He seems to kind of stick out. We see here that he... Settled in shine. His very first city was Babel, mm -hmm. right? So here we have a history. We have what happened pre-flood. Man was evil in the sight of God. Noah found grace. He rolls through. Things are starting over again. Ham is growing quite powerful. He's starting to build cities. Babel is one of his first ones. God stops for a minute to mention and talk about the first rebellious, really notify, not, noticeably rebellious individual, all right? So he is growing more powerful. Then he, it goes on that he was a mighty hunter. All right? Um, before the Lord. So there's a couple different um, aspects on this. As far as the mighty hunter, most of the research that I that I have read um, speaks on this. Says that he was mighty hunter, more along the lines of a warrior. All right, um, pretty ruthless, pretty dangerous. There's also the idea that as life was was beginning, he was a good hunter of animals, and those abilities. Gave him a, what do you want to call a tactical mind of some sort that allowed him to then rule and build empires and so forth. 
So whatever way, either he, you know, warrior <clears throat> or a hunter of animals turned to a uh, empire type situation, he had this this ability. He was very powerful, very good um, tactically or whatever it was at what he was doing. The idea of before the Lord, they say, indicates kind of like in the face of God, what he was doing was really standing out, kind of like how Noah found grace in the eyes of God. Well, Nimrod was growing so powerful and so rebellious in what he was doing that it was definitely um, noticeable to God that he makes a stop here to bring this out. All right, so he was kind of really the first one noteworthy that was against God. So this idea of being, I know Nimrod today, typically people, you're called Nimrod more because you want to say someone's being stupid, right? Not even close to the case. Biblically, Nimrod is not a stupid individual. Very smart, very powerful, but rebellious individual in the word of God. All right. Now, so we move on to Babel. All right. The area of Babel. The early name, they say, in the what's called the Akkadian language, Babel, translated as gate of God. All right. Many say that this is the site of Babylon. This is where Babylon settles. Would you agree to that? All right. This is where the king of Nebuchadnezzar, remember King Nebuchadnezzar? King Nebuchadnezzar was also really anti God's people. All right. Now, King Nebuchadnezzar built, he built this thing, I still don't necessarily know how to, he built this, it's called an et, E-M, A-K-I, all right, this giant tower, Etemekai, 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 oh E-T-E-M, E-N-A. E-N-A-K-I. Anyway, it's this 300-foot giant tower. This, these things are called ziggurats. You guys have seen these before. All right? Especially, not cigarettes. Oh. All right. Ziggurats. All right? That's not the German word for cigarette, okay? <laughs> All right. These are giant towers dedicated to a particular god. This one was dedicated to Marduk. A ziggurat is, I don't know if you've ever seen like temples in Mexico and that kind of stuff. They're these giant pyramid looking things with stairs that go forever. Steps, stairs, whatever you want to call them, up to this room. All right. So basically they built these big towers, these stairs. The idea is so that the gods can come down out of heaven and bless the people and go back, all right? 
go back and forth, back and forth. You have that mentality. That's just, this is all through history. They have built these towers. Typically, there's a room at the top of this tower. Um, it is either it has a bed and the priest or whatnot keep food and stuff so the god can rest. Apparently, their gods need to rest. Or it's a place typically for um, the priest to honor or worship or study the stars of their gods and whatnot. All right? So Nebuchadnezzar, when he came around into the land of Babel, he built this, whatever that word is, all right? It's a Menaki, all right? This big giant Zagarat, over 300 feet tall. Nebuchadnezzar himself wrote that he had rebuilt a temple, all right? When he got to it, it was in bad shape. His words are, a former king built the temple of the seven lights on the earth, but did not complete its head. Its head would have been that room. Right? Now, what do we just read about this story of Babel? They started to build a temple. and got to a certain point, and what did God do? He confused them, scattered them, so it didn't get finished. Right? Um, the head, yeah, we talked about the head. He also mentions that the tower had been built out of sun-dried clay bricks. Now, in the story... Verse 3, 11, 3 says, And they said once another, Go let us make what? Brick and burn them thoroughly. Okay? Now, Nebuchadnezzar's own words are, I rebuilt this poorly, this poor, broken down. He mentions the bricks were cracked and whatnot, all right? Um, he said, yeah, he said they were all cracked and split. So, Babylon... <coughs> was later was now this has gone through all kinds of people babylon was captured by kiros in 538 then darius the in 519 and then xerxes in 483 bc finally alexander the great when he conquered all of that he was going to rebuild it and it was in such disarray at this time his the, the rebuilt one that nebuchadnezzar had done that he just demolished it so in 331 bc he, de he just de demolished Nebuchadnezzar's tower. All right. Darius, the Daniel Darius? Um, and 519 BC? No, probably not. Probably not. <laughs> um, all right. Now, I say all that to say this. In studying the Tower of Babel, Nebuchadnezzar's, this tower right here, they claim is where we stole our idea of the Tower of Babel. Okay. They say this is where the Christians got the idea of a Tower of Babel. But my point is, Nebuchadnezzar says that he there was already yes. a tower there. Now, I'm not going to sit here and tell you for sure that was the Tower of Babel. But I'm not saying that, you know. My point is, is if we stole our story from him, then why is he saying, hey, I didn't build it. I rebuilt a very old tower that sounds an awful lot alike the tower that was built and about this is just like the genesis story we talk about they claim we steal our stories and yet nations across the world typically have similar stories mm -hmm. that we do right <clears throat> so now 
I went back and looked up. I love looking at similar stories. I enjoy finding all this stuff that we stole from the rest of the world, right? So we, we stole this story from King Nebuchadnezzar, right? Now, mind you, the original name was the Gate of the God, which would make sense because they built this big giant tower so that their gods can come and go. There are similar stories found in the Sumerian culture and the Assyrian culture. Mind you, both of those cultures come from, if I, if I researched it correctly, come from this lineage. Alright? You have, now here's a story. In Central America, there is a the Great Pyramid of Cholula. Cholula. Alright? Um, there's that story. It's similar to this. The ancient Toltecs in Mexico have this story. Now, listen to this story and you tell me what the story is. After a great deluge, man erected a tall, they call it a zacula, which is um, a tower, to preserve themselves in case of a second deluge. But their languages were confounded and they went to separate parts of the earth. What? Crazy story does that sound like? Right. All right. Now that's in Mexico. Arizona, there's a group of people called the Tohono Odaham people. All right. They have a story. Montezuma escaped a great flood, became wicked, attempted to build a house to reach heaven, but the great spirit destroyed it with thunderbolts. Now, there's a little bit of variance in there, but... No, uh, everything. <laughs> the flood. And, and, and that's the flood. correct, and that's the interesting. There is in the stories of their towers, they do mention this right flood that we make up, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, Nepal has stories. Um, in Botswana, they have a similar story, but in this one, um, they the builders fell and cracked their heads on the scaffolding, and that that's the the due to the the different issues. So. And that's just a handful. Here, and I wanted to bring all that out to say they claim we steal from all of this. But what makes more sense? The Bible as a single source and all of these nations having similar stories? Or all these various stories and we're stealing from theirs? Okay. We saw that with, you know, or now that was in Genesis as far as creation. We see that with the flood accounts. And now here with this Tower of Babel. Now, you know, I don't know exactly know for sure if it's there or what. I know they're still searching for the ark and all that kind of stuff. But to me, it's interesting that they are so willing to try to make us out to be the liars and the thieves. Okay? All right. So let's, kind of, let's see if we can't get through this. Genesis chapter 11, 1 through 3. Um, we talk about there in verse 2 that they settle in Shinar. Listen, that is in direct contradiction to what God says. This is their <clears throat> verses 1 through 3 is their decision to disobey. We all know in Genesis 9 1, 9, 1 that God commands us to replenish the work. The what? The earth. Right? So when they decide to stop and build cities and build this tower not minus the tower just 
everyone taking up camp right there, that is in direct rebellion to what God has said. He wants everyone to go everywhere. All right? Then you get to verse 4, and they said, Let us build us a city and a tower. This is the decision to exalt self. This continues to be man's problem. Man needs to, to exalt himself over what God has said. One, to reach unto the heavens. It is not our job to make ourselves equal with God. Right. We can't make ourselves equal with God. Absolutely. Amen. You're exactly right. And this is man's continual problem. Man decides, right? What was the one of the things the devil told Eve, right? Be as. Absolutely. And so here they decide to build this table, this table, this temple, right? And not necessarily for our God, but to work, you know, to, to exalt themselves. The second one here, it talks about, says, make us a name. We all typically desire fame, notoriety, praise. It's in our human nature. It's it's something we struggle with, whether it's, you know, some well, you know, I sang that song and no one told me I did a good job. Right? Or, you know, no one tells me at work that I did a good job. Or I don't never get thanked. I don't never get, you know, not appreciated. Mm. Not, I'm not appreciated. Absolutely. We are not. We're no one special. Right. We have a job to do. We have a Lord to follow. And if we continue to try to exalt ourselves and try to make a name for ourselves, we're going to fall flat on our face. And it doesn't matter how much we teach, preach, sing, what we do out in this world. God does the exalting. And in all honesty, we're not worthy of anything without the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So, you know, if we're not doing his will, then we shouldn't be praised. If we're not doing it in his name, then why should we be praised? Right? And that's their whole thing here is, you know, we want to make one, you know, up to the, to the heavens and we want to make us a name. God's not ready to make you a name. He's going to do that with Israel later on. He needed them to spread out. He needed the earth replenished. Um, verses 5 and 6. God sees. Right? I know man wants to say that God's not around and he's this entity floating around on top of heaven, but it's not true. It says that he came down to see. Right? God still comes down and he's checking. He sees what's going on. He watches to know. He knows if we're in his will or not. And he knows... We can be, what is it they talk about uh, when two people are dating? You know, you get these teenagers and stuff, they're dating. And it's just this, you know, they're my world. You know, they're everything. It is easy to cage the animal once or twice a week when you go on those dates. When you really learn the type of a person, it's when you get married and you move in together, right? When there's no more hiding that person, when you see them without their makeup, right? You know, yeah. when all of a sudden they're like, whoa. <laughs> you know, when they start getting aggravated, that very first real fight, right? God sees all of that. He knows who you are at home. He knows who I am when no one else is around. He knows my heart. He knows my right. thoughts. 
right. Um, again, they use that terminology, children of men. Remember we talked about that? I, you know, I, I still believe this is a terminology he uses for people that are not serving God. All right? These apparently, I mean, it's obvious here that these individuals, these children of men, are people that are outside the will of God, that are purposely rebelling in the face of God, led by a rebellious one, to purposely fly in the face of God. Um, again here, people is one, all of one language. What did we talk about last week? We're all one blood. We all came from the same person. All right, we all came from the same brothers. There is no white, black, purple, green, yellow. There is one race, one color, or all shades of brown. There is one blood, mm -hmm. right? And this is more evidence to that. Up until this point, they all were the same big giant family with the same language, <clears throat> being able to discuss things and work things out, right? God changed that, and it was the dispersal and the environment that changed a lot of that stuff. The people that went together that had similar eyes and similar ears and all that kind of stuff, okay? We come back to their, um, says, which they have imagined to do um, at the end of verse 6. You guys remember what that kind of sounds like prior to the flood? Remember Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, it said every imagination was what? evil all right the land had gotten so much to the point that whatever man imagined to do it was evil and they did whatever they wanted to do we're back to that all right it says that they were of one mind they were of one voice one language so they had no issues communicating whatever they wanted to do they were able to do it and what they were wanting to do was not follow god <clears throat> Right now, this is man's selfishness. I want to do what I want to do, and I want to do it the way I want to do it, and I don't really care how it happens. Um, you know, we if we don't make God number one, then we choose self every time and everything we do, and that's what is happening here. We have people that have set God outside of their life, decided that's not who they want to follow. And I don't think it happened. I just don't think they were God-fearing people. And then Nimrod was born, and he woke up one day and said, I'm never serving God ever again. Right. I think it started a little bit here. Started a little bit there. You know, because we're a little bit ways past. You know, um, we're talking. So Noah, so Nimrod is what? Great-great-grandson? Right. Yeah, there had to be a pattern already. Yeah, well, I mean, we know we know Ham was, you know, I mean, he yeah. was obviously not very well, doing well because of what he did with Noah. Right. And so his generation would not have been a God-fearing nation generation. And that's two generations again. Yeah. And, and it's interesting. When you look at this, you got Noah here. Mm -hmm. Noah found grace, right? So he was God's man. How far... We get just utter outright rebelliousness, mm -hmm. like actually against God. That's not not long. You know, put us in Nimrod space. You know, that's not that far off. I mean, there was a time in my life where 
hey, I'm my great-grandma. I was still alive when my great-grandma was still alive. You know? So, I mean, that's not all that far off. Why are you laughing at me? Because you said I was still alive when my great-grandma was still alive. Well, I hope you are alive. <laughs> well, no, I was, still, I was alive when my great-grandma was <laughs> alive. You're right. Still You're right. Alive, I'm like, he's not still alive now? <laughs> yeah. I meant... I was uh, I was alive when my great grandma was still yeah, alive. How's that? Call you, out on it. Um, you know. <laughs> that was funny. So you know it doesn't when you you know when you let the things of God start to slide, it can really spiral out of hand quickly. That's why it's so important to stay strong. Um, seven and eight. Um, it's where God does the judging. Now. It talks here, it says, verse 7, go to, let us go down. All right, this is more example of the Trinity we see in Genesis, where God said, let us make man in our image. Genesis chapter 3, man has become as one of us. All right? This idea that the Bible doesn't teach the Trinity, they never read Genesis. We're now three, the three main stories God has mentioned in three different times, us. So it's either a trinity or God's got some other people up there going, all right? Confounds their language. I think what's interesting about this is it confounds their language because they're working against God. People that are working for God. In Acts chapter 2, what happens at Pentecost when Peter's preaching? Everybody hears their own language. Everyone hears in their own language. It's a almost could say a reversal of this confounding right now that tells me one of two things one it's an actual language that's being taught it's not this crazy spiritual thing but again god has that power to do now he didn't keep it that way because we still have to learn languages but here he confounds he makes everybody unable what's that i said they heard them in their own Correct. language so it wasn't they all of a sudden we're speaking a new different language Exactly. Yeah, it wasn't some crazy new language, whatever. Yeah, it's they were all able to. God did the interpretation in the ears, but um, still. So you know, you kind of have kind of a an undoing or whatever you want to call in this situation. Um, and then lastly, um, verse nine. We'll just close it there. The name of it is called Babel. Why? That's right. Um, the term Babel actually now in the Hebrew language. What did I write this down on? Well, anyway, I had it written down somewhere. Oh, so in the early Akkadian language, Gate of God. The Hebrew verb translation is to jumble or confuse. So, what the Tower of Babel used to be called, and then what the Hebrew is now translated at, you see what it kind of started with as a gate to God or a stairway, or however you want to look at that, to then God's judgment is to jumble and to confuse. Um, you are left with Many languages, groups broken up, everyone is forced to go out and repopulate, which is God's original plan. He wanted everyone to go forth 
Now, mind you, his idea was we want God-fearing people to go into the land and populate the earth with more God-fearing people, right? It never happened. What is the Great Commission? Go in all nations, sharing the gospel. Basically, we are. he wants us as God-fearing people to go into the land and create disciples that are God-fearing people. It's the same plan. That's what he wanted Adam and Eve to do. They messed things up. They didn't do what was supposed to be done. He wanted Noah's children to do that. Noah's children didn't do what they were supposed to do. The Israelites were supposed to do the same thing. They didn't do it. So he moved over to us, the Gentiles, to also go into this world time after time after time again. God's entire plan is for the entire world to serve Christ and share their gospel with the lost. All right? Sorry, Jim. we got to close out. <laughs>